Hello and welcome to Ken Queer, home of Canada's queer media. My name is Luke Smith. My name is Sebastian. And I am keeping an eye out for a uh, rather, uh, you know, an older gentleman, all dressed in white. Uh, uh, not Santa Claus, but uh, the Pope. The Pope oh. is uh, hanging around uh, this uh, this week at uh, time of recording. I was going to start it off in Edmonton. Was, uh, Patrick Stewart. But I'm always having an eye out for Patrick Stewart. I mean, who doesn't keep one eye on the a beady eye on the horizon? Yeah, just in case of Patrick Stewart, especially in his role in Jeffrey. 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 <laughs> Jeffrey. So uh, I got to. I've been chatting with the the author behind uh, Moonballer, the invasion of a gay tennis league by the straights. Dot dot dot. Gay gasp. Gay gasp. Yeah. <laughs> I'm amazed I remember the name of that twice. Um, we've been chatting with uh, Jeffrey Soto, and uh, every time I, I I I message Jeffrey in the back of my mind, all I can hear <laughs> is Jeffrey, That's Jeffrey, right. Jeffrey. <laughs> <laughs> For those of you who what, don't know what we're what talking about. What movie is that from? Because yeah. it, it's hilarious. It's, uh, you know, uh, Sir Patrick Stewart as a gay man, which yeah, is all you really... mid-90s movie called Jeffrey. Oh, it's called Jeffrey. Yeah, yeah, yes. yeah. Yes, yes. Yeah, and he goes, I can't remember if Jeffrey wanders off or goes running away. Anyway, me, Patrick Stewart's there going, Jeffrey, Jeffrey. His performance in that movie is one of my favorite performances that he ever did. And if you really want to laugh, look up uh, on YouTube or something, whatever, your choice. Uh, uh, Patrick Stewart, gay role models. Because you remember the gay role models one? Like, oh. uh, Yeah, let me see if I can find a quick clip for us here. Because, I mean, at that point, uh, we'll see if that works. Hate that gay role models are supposed to be just like straight people. As if even straight people are like that. That is so true. I was watching these two guys on Nightline on Gay Pride Day, and one of them said, Hi, I'm Bob Wheeler, and I'm an attorney, and my lover, he's a surgeon, and we would like to show America that all gays are not limp-wristed, screaming queens. There are gay truck drivers and gay cops and gay lumberjacks, and I just thought, ooh, get her. All right, yeah, yeah. So we've just played that clip uh, for, for our listening audience. Yeah, I mean, it, it's a very dated movie, but... I think a better way of looking at it, it, it it's a it's a movie in a bottle. It was very of its time. So if you mm-hmm. want to understand what it was like to be in the head of a gay man in the mid '90s, like Jeffrey's a wonderful way of looking. And like surprise things, like Sigourney Weaver was in a movie, but not on the movie poster. She just showed up and dominated a scene for like five minutes. And so was the lady from um, uh, Sister Act. So yeah, we were talking about the Pope until I derailed us. I'm sorry. Oh, that's fine. I think that happens a lot. We ended up talking about uh, you know the, the 1990s movie with uh, Patrick Stewart, uh, Jeffrey. <laughs> you know, I can't even remember what we were going to talk about the Pope. So we're going to move on from the Pope. Um, <laughs> you know, the St. John's Newfoundland Pride Parade, uh-huh. uh, middle of a heat wave. So you know, everyone across, I think, uh, north, you know, not just North America, the Northern Hemisphere, I think, basically, yeah, yeah. has been suffering from a pretty incredible heat waves. Now, weirdly, the folks over on the island, PEI, Prince Edward Island, they did 
gather about in the the you know the sweltering heat mm-hmm. um and uh managed to celebrate a very fun it looked like a very fun uh pride event in prince edward island uh just this past uh, past weekend the environment canada was saying it was going to be about 31 degrees i was not on the island mm-hmm. um but uh it did it you know the photos that we've seen make it look like it was a very well received quite a big parade quite a big uh crowd for charlottestown i think uh i think even the navy had a bit of a presence there which you know it is pride so these things are to be expected i know that pei not pei um yeah we were talking about pei i know that pei is is bigger than you think it is like people joke about it being a tiny province and being a tiny island but it, it is big enough to be a province it's, it's not small but i still like to imagine there's always a nice breeze coming off the water yeah yeah so even in the heat it's probably not so bad but that just might be making assumptions i mean even england always has an okay breeze even if you're inland a fair deal there, there does come a point where you're just too far inland and that's not true anymore but yeah. Although I do think that most of that is just the politicians blowing hot air, but that's you know <laughs> that's a separate conversation. Yeah, hundreds of people participated in uh, the annual Pride event, one of the first ones back in person at Charlottetown, sorry, hmm. Charlottetown in Prince Edward Island, PEI, this past weekend. However, revelers in St. John's, Newfoundland were unable to exercise the same uh, privilege because the decision made there was that it was just too darn hot for uh for these gatherings to take place um i don't know i mean i feel like if you're not used to hov- you know huddling around in the in the sun actually i remember when i went to world pride in in toronto mm-hmm. it was so gosh down hot mm-hmm. because of the the sort of heat sinks that you get inside cities yeah it was like uh, upwards of 40 degrees in the core where the yeah, actual yeah. parade was going to go you know, it was very much a health hazard, I think, to, to continue, but uh, they decided to do so. Uh, on the one hand, because I've been in Toronto during Pride as well, uh, whenever you get uh, the like long streets with tall buildings on either side, you always get like this artificial wind where like one side of the street's in the shade, the other side is in the sun, and then you get like air movement. That's why Chicago is the windy city. It's because of the way the buildings are. But anyway, in Toronto, the way it goes is that Young Street just turns into a corridor a fast moving asphalt air you're just getting blown by an oven all day long like the the wind does not help it actually makes things worse it's it's not great except for at the corner of young and, and uh college for some reason it's always chilled there near the france you don't know what i'm talking about the france I do know the, what you're talking about, yeah. the corner near france is always slightly cooler than the rest of the I area think, I, I don't think know why there is a, i think there's an ikea there now but yeah, they were St. John's Pride was expecting about 3,000 people to walk along yeah. in the parade, but they made the decision that with a humidex floating near 38 degrees, uh, maybe getting thousands of people to stand around in the open day sun might not be ideal. So they are in conversations with city organizers to see if they can choose a, an alternative date, preferably one not in the middle of a heat wave. So, so they yeah. the parade not the whole thing because like that's a lot of of funding and volunteer hours to get a pride festival to get any festival but pride festivals especially are very volunteer driven that that's it would be a pity for nothing to come of it so hopefully at least all the events that happen at night when the sun goes down and it's less miserable hopefully they're still happening and it was just the parade that got delayed i hope 
I hope if you're in if you're in St. John or the other St. John, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, Either of them, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 We, we look forward to hearing from you. Yeah. Absolutely. Let us know. You can reach us at TalkCanQueer on Twitter and uh, what's the other one? I think we're on Facebook. Um, uh-huh. We should be other places, but we just don't get around to it. So yeah. we'll, uh, we'll, we'll work on that. All right. <clears throat> now, you, you had mentioned in passing a story out of London, Ontario, the small one, not the fun one. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, so essentially more details have emerged. They have mm-hmm. released the name of the man who has been arrested at this incident. We will not be publishing that name. Mm -hmm. So the police arrested, I believe it was a 36-year-old man on Saturday last uh, in London, Ontario. Uh, He was charged with two offences. Let me just make sure I've got uh, got the right ones here. Possessing a weapon for a dangerous purpose and causing a disturbance by shouting. Uh, This man is accused uh, essentially by witnesses in the area of having driven around a uh, family-centered event, which was a drag queen story time, just blowing the horn on his truck the whole way so he couldn't get a word in edgeways, just driving around in circles, blaring the horn. Um, And at one point did get out. Earlier witnesses reported to the CBC that apparently someone was struck with a flagpole. and uh, I think somebody else has been punched by, according to witnesses, mm-hmm. uh, reporting to the CBC. So, you know, London police haven't released a huge amount of details beyond the fact that the hate crimes unit is investigating specifically uh, this incident and that the man whose name they've released has been charged. Uh, yeah. Am I missing anything there, Sebastian? I've, I've not found any new uh, any updates to this that you haven't told um yeah the the weird thing is all he had to do was stay in his vehicle because you're allowed to cause a disturbance in protest so long as there's no hate speech and whatever and he was on the other side of the road so he was nowhere near them and the moment let me let me let me let me me correct i'm not saying you're allowed it's yeah as i said there is there is you know disturbing the peace is is an actual crime so yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah you're not allowed to to go around causing a you know a significant disturbance and that was one of the crimes he was arrested for so yeah yeah yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. you are allowed to disagree with people though and he was uh, so long as he stayed on the other side of the, the the road and just talked and didn't say words with his mouth he probably could have gotten away with it and been just fine but he had to just go that extra step you know and now we're going to uh, be playing Mother Love by Iskwe and Tom Wilson. I believe uh, Iskwe is of the Cree nation, mm-hmm. uh, Cree Métis in particular. Um, this track, Mother Love, is a fantastic one. It's sort of that Americana vibe, which we are sort of carrying through until we hit reggae at the end uh, of today's show. And I am uh-huh. very excited about it. It's not particularly gay, but we, reggae we vibe. So, oh, no, yeah, it, it counts as gay, yeah. You you have you have decided. You yeah, have yeah. Passed the verdict. All right. This is not reggae, uh, but uh, no particularly gay. Although the artists do self-identify as queer. Mm-hmm. This is Mother Love by Isque and Tom Wilson, and we will be back just after this. Where were you, 
Hello and welcome back to Cancria, home of Canada's queer media. My name is Luke Smith. And I'm Sebastian. Now you have identified a story out of Quebec, La Belle Provence. What's, what's yes. happening in that? From from the, the other French city that people forget about, uh, Quebec City specifically. So there was a, an incident at a, a nightclub called the Dagobah, which has been around for about 40 years. Uh, it's a nice old dance club, a, a discotheque, you might even say. It's old enough to qualify as a discotheque. Um, and there was an incident where a couple and one of their friends went there on one of the nights, and they were dancing on the floor, and they got... Um, uh, other patrons were uncomfortable with their presence, let's say. And then they started like throwing bottle caps and, and corks at them. So, I mean, they weren't exactly under threat of injury, but it, it's, that's not great vibes. And then yeah. eventually one of the, uh, one of the staff came over and told them that they were uh, disturbing the other patrons and if they could please leave. And this came to the attention of the media because one of them, uh, a guru, when he got home, he went on Facebook and basically posted the event. And then uh, and then this whole fallout came from it. So the fallout basically was that the, the owners of the bar fired the, uh, the bar staff who did that and basically said, so here's the thing. They were talking to other clients from that night, and they did feel that these three people were causing a disturbance. Um, but... What you do is if there's a fight, you talk to the aggressors and get them to stand down first and you ask them to leave. And then if the people causing a scene persist in causing a scene, then you say to them, please stop causing a scene. And then if they don't do that, then you ask them to leave. And this was, they went in the complete wrong order. They asked people to leave. They asked the wrong people to leave basically. Now, what they were doing that was upsetting the other patrons uh, was they were just being gay. So in it's kind of hard to translate because I'd be looking at the, the 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 post in French, but basically they were dressed in flamboyant, very obviously gay clothes by his own description. They were dancing in a very gay way, uh, which uh, I I would I would I would learn that TikTok dance. Yes. <laughs> How does one dance? In a, I mean, I feel like some people can answer that question. But Sebastian, how does one dance in a very gay way? Well, you do more than uh, shuffle from foot to foot and move your shoulders a bit. Okay, uh, well, I'm out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, so they, they, were, they were basically being told that they were too gay and that they were acting too gay and that they were upsetting the crowd. Now, I looked at the, the club a little bit and it seems to be that these days they're less of a discotheque and more of a hip hop kind of a crowd. Mm. Um, so the, the basic idea is they were kind of just at the wrong venue. Um, but my understanding from you was that, uh, Le Degobat was always a bit of a queer space, like always, you know, it's a discotheque. No, not necessarily. No, no. it's just, a, mm. just a dance club. Yeah. It's just a dance club. That's been around for 40 years. You know, this is, I think, why queer folks nearly always try to go to gay bars is yeah. because you're not going to have ball caps thrown at you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> in, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and corks. And, it, and it's sad, but I think what it would demonstrate now to the rest of the folks in Quebec City is if you want to go out and have a fun time and you're gay, mm-hmm. don't go to any club unless it's got a rainbow flag on it. Well, which is just unfortunate, really. Yeah. It's, it's just sad. 
so the, the, the way I've read about it in the English language media, uh, they, they really did kind of take that angle. But when you actually read stuff in the French language media, the bar owners really stepped up and actually did the right thing. They said that they asked the wrong people to leave. And that, you know, when there is a, dis a disturbance, sometimes that is somebody causing a disturbance and sometimes that's somebody minding their own business and other people causing a disturbance. And they weren't there, so they couldn't really see what was happening. But they're like, whenever there is a disturbance like that, you kick the aggressor out. It doesn't matter who inspired the situation. You kick the aggressor out. And then if stuff keeps happening, then you look into it. Right. Which completely fair. I mean, that's if anything else, that's how you run security at a club. You know, you don't kick people out for having a good time. They're there. That's the point of the place. Right. Um, but on the other hand, like, and this is this is not in any of the media. This is just me being like, OK, let's play devil's advocate. All right. Let's say you're at a gay bar and then five people come in and they just start doing line dancing in the middle of the floor and like pushing other people out of the way. Are they lesbians wearing plaid? No. Oh, well, that, yeah. that does change it. That does right? change it. Right, okay. Yeah, yeah. Because like five lesbians wearing plaid yeah, yeah, came yeah. into a game bar and started doing lines dancing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would just assume I was there on a Thursday and it was just, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. regularly scheduled programming. Yeah, yeah. Because when I was reading this and they were saying that they were dancing in a gay way, I was like, were they doing like ball scene dancing? Were they doing- I think it was just the YMCA on repeat. I think that's what <laughs> it is. I think it's just too much village people. Well, yeah, but it's, so it, it's a very crowded club every weekend. And all I could think is if maybe they were just like taking up a huge chunk of the dance floor by like doing like drag walks and things like that. But why would you be doing that? I don't know. I was like, what is the most extreme example where I could see this making sense? Right. And I was like, even then, like you would just go up to them and say like, guys, you're, you're taking up more space than is fair. Like you can't mm -hmm. push people out of the way so that you can imitate RuPaul. Like that's not, that's not a even then, like you would still, you would talk to them and say, you know, exactly, dear yeah. sirs, please kindly. Uh, and then later on, you'd be like, okay, you're, you're, you're infuriating the other clients and we need to make a safe space for everyone. But that is absolutely not what happened. And it was just basically, they were wearing brightly colored clothes and uh, yeah, they were just dancing. You know, I think that there is something to be said here for just drawing a line in the sand for what is acceptable behavior mm. and unacceptable behavior. Mm. You know, if you don't want children going, your children going to a drag story time, or you don't want to go to a gay bar, that is fine. Yeah. But you don't drive around in circles blaring the horns. Nobody mm. else can enjoy a drag story time. And you don't throw bottle caps at people mm -hmm. <laughs> who, are, who happen to be gay in the club that you are in. You know, mm. I think that we're seeing a bit of a breakdown of just... I find it frustrating yeah, because yeah, yeah. what I see a breakdown in is niceness, mm -hmm. you know, and I, I feel like as, uh, you know, Canadians, we, that, that, that should touch you at the marrow, you know, it, it should <laughs> cut, it should cut deep. The niceness yeah. should be in the DNA, you know what I mean? And, and, uh, but there seems to be an hostility to it. I know. I think the London police did the right thing by mm -hmm. coming in hard and stopping those, uh, you know, that uh, that kind of protest. Mm -hmm. Because a part of me is wondering in both of these examples that we've talked about today, mm -hmm. what if nothing had been done? Yeah. You know, what signal would uh, Le Degobert give if 
they, uh, you know, in this case, they did check out the wrong person, which was the, you know, the queer folks that were attending. But what signal does that give to other people in Quebec City to know that if I go there and there's someone Mm -hmm. being particularly effeminate, particularly loud, particularly queer, they're Mm going to get chucked out. It tells a certain kind of person who would want to see that happen, that that's mm. the place to go. Mm-hmm. But it also tells a lot of particularly effeminate folks, a lot of particularly, you know, gay at 20 paces, a lot of people who are just worried about being too self-conscious not to go there, that maybe mm. it's not safe. Maybe it's not the location where you get bottle caps thrown at you. So I think there's a lot of messaging that's happening yeah. I think the owners of Le about have done the right thing by coming yep. in quickly and loudly and saying, yep. no, 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 that's not appropriate. And it also looks like the the uh, employee who did that kind of did it without anybody else knowing what was going on. Like they took it upon themselves. So, I mean, it could have just been a, a heavy handed person in security. They're, they're kind of thin on details. I don't think they want a, a dog pile or a witch hunt to come out of this and basically say like, yeah, no, there's an employee who just went rogue. Uh, which unfortunately you kind of can't help that from happening. Like, I mean, even if it was a, just a scapegoat to pin this on someone they've already fired, it doesn't matter. Yeah, you know, I think that that what what had happened was not the best approach that the club can take. Um, but their response now seems a bit more measured. Um, it, know, does, it does, yeah, seem a bit more measured. Yeah, but you do have a good point that it could have just been optics. Um, so I mean, it, it's it's hard to say what happened in those like quiet back rooms where people were having discussions about how to deal with the situation. But yeah, I don't know. Some of it does kind of come down to, you know, if that's not the space for you, there are other spaces. Like people go to the spaces where they feel most comfortable. Like not everyone, not everybody goes to the the roadside dive bar uh, where they throw beer bottles at the punk band on stage, you know, like not everybody goes to that bar. Um, I've been to that bar actually i yeah yeah you were on stage <laughs> weren't you uh no 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 i was actually hanging out with the director when i was there um okay. yeah yeah uh but generally speaking you're just nice to people they're nice to you that's usually how it goes it's it is very peculiar yeah that that this came up uh, but again and i think we don't say this enough i'm glad this is newsworthy because like 40 years ago when this club was opened at that point in history it wouldn't have been newsworthy that like people yeah, got kicked nobody out. Would have, nobody would have batted an eye. Nobody would have cared. Know? So the fact that it is newsworthy does show progress. And that's something that I kind of do like to acknowledge now and then. Absolutely. Yep. No, I, I agree entirely. I did have a, uh, a quick update on the story that we were tracking last week. Um, we were talking about how Ricky Martin had been accused by the 21-year-old son of his sister-in-law mm-hmm. um, of a, uh, I think, a six-month relationship that had ended, uh, had then issued a restraining order. Um, anyway, in the San Juan court earlier this week, the temporary restraining order against uh, Ricky Martin was lifted. Mm-hmm. Um, they said, uh, and I'll quote here directly, the accuser confirmed, this is from the lawyers, the accuser confirmed to the court that his decision to dismiss the matter was his alone without any outside influence or pressure. And the accuser confirmed that he was satisfied with his legal representation in the matter. The request came from the accuser asking to dismiss the case. Uh, their lawyer, you know, Ricky Martin's lawyers then go on further to say this was never anything more than a troubled individual making false allegations with absolutely no 
nothing to substantiate them. Um, and, you know, Ricky Martin's team has been pretty adamant that this is just the the claims of a uh, of a 21-year-old who is less than stable. Now, I, you know, this individual did withdraw the claims. So I think that is that is where the individual wants to the story to sit so i'm not going to delve too much further into that Hmm. but i would imagine that being at the center of an international media firestorm which is what this immediately became Hmm. um is an incredibly difficult position to be in yes and it it, yeah there's there's a million reasons like this came up actually on reddit uh when uh, it was dismissed and people were like why would why would it get dismissed like that? Like, why would the accuser withdraw? And a whole list of reasons came out of it where people were like, you know, this kind of thing happened to me and, you know, here are the results. It, it could it could just be something like the matriarch of the family said, if you go through with this, you will tear the family apart. You will knock this off and we will deal with it ourselves. Like, it, it could have been that. It could have been uh, the lawyers looked at the amount of evidence and said, there's no way this is going to win in court. You're better off dealing with this on your own. He could have been bought off. He could have been like paid off. It could have been settled out of court. It could have been. There's so many things that it could be. And it could be that nothing happened and that yeah. this was an individual looking for attention. We don't know. We don't know the details yet. Um, but it, it's kind of amazing how many things that I've seen basically saying, well, Ricky Martin's famous and rich and probably just paid it to go away. And I think, I mean, cynically, yes that's possible because we've seen that happen many times with many other stories like this, but it's complex. And the idea that it is an international story uh, and maybe they didn't expect it to turn into that, that, that could be part of it. It's complicated. I mean, honestly, I, I, I think the answer is yes. He yeah. <laughs> is internationally famous and rich. Yeah. If he had done this, then I would imagine there's a lot of motivation for him to settle it quickly and as efficiently as possible. Mm-hmm. If he hadn't done this, the reputational yeah. damage, the accusation mm-hmm. is so substantial that I reckon he would try quickly and efficiently to end it as quickly as possible. Yeah. The fact that he is rich and famous and probably leveraged multiple resources to, to wrap this up quickly um, is unsurprising because who wouldn't? You know, it's like, oh, I've been accused of a crime, even more a crime in the, you know, in the the state of Puerto Rico, which is, uh, you know, uh, incest. You know, I think I'll I think I'll take it slow and let the slow turning wheels of justice figure this one out. No one's taking that approach. Everyone would be in their right mind. There's actually a name for this kind of fiction. Yeah, sorry. There's a name for this kind of situation in formal logic. It's called a dilemma. An actual dilemma is something where it's if A, then B, but also if C, then B. It doesn't matter if A or C is true. It's going to be B either way. So that's that's mm-hmm. that's that's what we're looking at right now. It's so a dilemma. You're, are you telling me that when he was accused of incest by his uh, nephew from his sister-in-law, he found himself in a literal dilemma? A literal dilemma where he was does... in a literal dilemma. Well, it's also oh, we're right. in a dilemma when it comes to interpreting this, like. It does not matter if it's true or not. The way that he's behaving, that's kind of the only outcome there is. He kind of has to do this. Well, we will we will think more on this uh, yes. as, the, as the time goes on. However, I do think this story is now effectively put to bed unless uh, 
anything else surfaces, which is looks like, yeah. Well, we're going to be playing now with Amanda Room with uh, Death of the American Dream from her fantastic album, The Spaces In Between. Check it out, Amanda Room, The Death of the American Dream. Canada's queer media. My name is Luke Smith. My name is Sebastian. 
And the in other news this week, the World Health Organization has uh, issued a statement regarding the uh, outbreak of monkeypox. Uh, there is a quote here from the World Health Organization's Director General. He issued a statement on July the 23rd. And I'll read a part of it here. Under the international health regulations, uh, this is from him speaking, I am required to consider five elements in deciding whether or not an outbreak constitutes a public health emergency of international concern. First, the information provided by countries, which in this case shows that the virus has spread rapidly to many countries that have not seen it before. Second, the three criteria for declaring a public health emergency of international concern, which have been met. Third, the advice of the emergency committee, which has not reached consensus. Fourth, scientific principles, evidence and other relevant information which are currently insufficient and leave us with many unknowns. And fifth, the risk to human health, international spread and the potential for interference with international traffic. WHO's assessment is that the risk of monkeypox is moderate globally and in all regions, except in the European region, where they assess the risk as high. Mm. There is also a clear risk of further international spread, although the risk of interference with international traffic remains low. So in short, we have an outbreak that has spread around the world rapidly through new modes of transmission and which we understand too little and which meets the criteria in the international health regulations. For all those reasons, I have decided that the global multipox outbreak represents a public health emergency of international concern, end quote. So the Director General of the World Health Organization has declared monkeypox a public health emergency of international concern. Are you concerned, Sebastian? Uh for myself or in general because in general yes for myself not really i don't get out very often so i don't really do a lot of skin to skin contact with people i don't know uh except for shaking hands um but yeah um i am concerned uh if anything else because when an outbreak happens the more copies of a virus that exist out there in the wild the more likely it is to mutate because one of the advantages of, of containing a virus in a small population is that mutation rate is down, which makes it easier to treat. So sort of big picture issues, I'm a little bit worried. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not panicked, you know, uh, but it's not great. But that's, it is definitely not great. I think there's yeah. been just over 14,000 cases uh, in uh, around the world. Mm. Uh, I believe that in New York City, there's about 839 people um, and a number of people, including the Prep for All Coalition and ACT UP New York, have issued demands to the state government and the federal government, uh, essentially demanding more attention be paid to this, uh, you know, for, uh, for those communities, because they seem to be the ones most at risk. Yep. In so the, can yeah, go ahead. The, the numbers that I gave last week from the NIH in England, uh, the New England Journal of Medicine has basically rep replicated a similar study in the States to, to get the numbers and the rates and where uh, people who are infected with the, the virus suspect where they got it from. It's basically you count back nine days because it has sort of known incubation period. Um, and 95% of them uh, are believed to have 
uh, received it by having uh, by men having sex with other men. Uh, there have been a lot of incidents of like people getting it at festivals and, and in public spaces, but it's it's almost the exact same results. Uh, so yeah. it's yeah, it, it's it's not a sexually transmitted disease that's turned into one. You know, I think essentially, you know, the crux of the matter is, is that in the middle of the summer, a lot of gay men take the shirts off and hug each other. And if that's at a summer festival, an overly friendly brunch, through to the more extreme end of where that might, uh, I might don't, lead. I don't mean to laugh, but you made it sound like it's a ritual. Like they, they stand in a circle, take their shirts off, hug, and then put their shirts back on. <laughs> that's not what we're saying. I mean, that's how I do my brunch. I don't know how, you know, have you not been to our brunch? Uh, that's, what what, sure that's what, what brunch Luke works. is trying to say is that a lot of men go shirtless in the first place. Or they yeah. wear clothes and have a lot of bare skin involved. A lot of like there's a lot more skin to skin contact in the gay yeah, community that, for that's, sure. Yes. Now it's worth noting that Public Health Agency of Canada issued a statement on July 23rd vis-a-vis the monkeypox outbreak. Mm-hmm. They said that, and I quote. As of today, there are 681 confirmed cases of monkeypox across five provinces in Canada, and these numbers are expected to continue to rise as the outbreak evolves. Since July 1st, we've seen a doubling of cases to date, the first case in a female and the first case in Saskatchewan. So double the number of cases uh, since the start of July. That's not a great uh, trajectory, trajectory whatever the word is. Um, they're working with the National Advisory Committee on uh, Immunization. Uh, you may have heard of the NACI or the, the NACI. It's come up a lot with, uh, with COVID. And the government of Canada has issued 70,000 doses of the vaccine to provinces around the place. Now, I spend most of my time in the city of Toronto. So I was kind of curious as to what, uh, what their criteria for for uh, getting the vaccines. Now, they there are criteria, so I can't just roll up and, and get a vaccine if I think I'm going to be skin to skin contacting with uh, somebody. So they go on to say, uh, there's a lot more in the guidance from Public Health Toronto, but they go on to say clinics are for trans or cisgendered individuals who self-identify as belonging to the gay, bisexual, and or other men who have sex with men. Uh, they refer to it as the GB MSM community. And at least one of the following uh, had a sexually transmitted infection STI in the last two months, such as chlamydia, gonorrhea, or syphilis, had two or more sexual partners in the past 21 days, or maybe planning to, uh, attended a bathhouse, a sex club, or a similar place for sexual contact within the last 21 days, or maybe planning to, or who work or volunteer in these settings. How does one volunteer? Anyway, note for later. Had anonymous casual sex in the past 21 days, or maybe planning to, including using online dating or hookup apps, engaging sex work, or maybe planning to, and other sexual contacts. I mean, it is pretty broad criteria, essentially. It is, yeah. Uh, yeah, if I'm planning on having, uh, you know, anonymous uh, liaisons using mm-hmm. a hookup app, not that I would ever ever consider a thought mm-hmm. you know me no um but that would make me that would make me eligible in toronto so i mean it, they're not uh they're not they, you know it, you can't get one because it's a tuesday yeah, but if yeah. you think you're going to be at risk then you know I, I think it's somewhat uh somewhat reasonable to be able to get one 
It does make sense, actually. I'm glad they included volunteers and employees in those spaces as well, because in the UK, there are two confirmed cases of healthcare workers becoming infected. Uh, and actually, that's really low in the grand scheme of things. Uh, it's very common for healthcare workers to get infected with whatever. It could be as simple as cold, flu, whatever. Like it, infection rates are, are moderate, lower than the general public. They, they sterilize the hell out of everything and they basically drink bleach when they're done their shift. Uh, nobody, slight exaggeration. Nobody, yes. nobody, <laughs> that's, we don't, yeah, don't know. Yeah, don't do that. Nobody, yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, so there, there has been that. I'm, I'm glad they're acknowledging uh, because there are, I mean, I know you, you're kind of weirded out when they said volunteers in places like that. Houses, I mean, I just, I'm like, how does one volunteer? Like, what, what form do I need? To, what form does somebody fill in to, to volunteer? That was at the at, end of the uh, list. I think yeah. it was like if you're in like a, a needle drop-in center or if you're in like a safer sex clinic or something like that, then if you volunteer in those spaces, and there are volunteers in some of those spaces for like education or outreach or postering even, uh, then yeah, there are volunteers in those spaces. So I'm glad they acknowledged uh, because they that is kind of an at-risk group. You could be uh, completely and totally like, you know, you, you stapled your knees together because you just don't like having sex with strangers. But it's skin-to-skin um, -skin contact. Exactly, it yeah. It could take a couple of handshakes and then you've got it. Yep. So yeah, it's, uh, it's not great. Now, an interesting story that has also emerged out of this, and that is that Stephen Bibot, the Minister of Environment and Climate Change, on behalf of Jean-Yves Duclos, the Minister of Health, announced a total of $350,000 coming from the HIV and Hepatitis C Community Action Fund is being directed towards three organizations, uh, Rizzo in Montreal, the AIDS Committee of Toronto, and Max. Ottawa. Now we've uh, we've sang poetic about Max Ottawa a, oh, yeah. a number of times. It's the May men's uh, sexual health clinic. Mm -hmm. Well, a general health clinic as well. They, there's only so much they can do, but they do pass people on if, if you have specific needs. Like um, uh, some, it's a kind of a, a known secret of sorts that a lot of uh, gay and bisexual men have troubles getting certain kinds of health care. So if you have a bad doctor, basically, they can help set you up with a doctor who is less likely to tell you um, that it's all your fault for being gay. Uh, so it, it it is a health clinic and also a referral clinic, uh, which honestly, just being told where to go to get, get a good doctor, that alone is a service. So, well, I think that seems to be really the trick here, you know, Toronto, Montreal, and, and even Ottawa seem to be the, the major, the major centers of transmission at the moment in Canada. Hmm. And uh, sorry, within the Canadian context. And uh, so this is essentially the government saying, look, we need to reach folks in these communities, let them know about the vaccines, let them know not to go around touching each other's bodies. Hmm. Um, if they've, being exposed to monkeypox mm -hmm. um you know how best do we do that you know if the government showed up if a government man with a briefcase showed up uh, i would be rather concerned so they're trying to work with community organizations these health centers that are already plugged into these communities mm -hmm. so uh alexandre dumontblay of uh, the executive director of rizzo as stated in the press release the additional funding for our organization specific to mpox will help us to rapidly develop a new information and awareness strategies for glbt 
plus GBTQ plus men. This will allow us to better equip and support our communities to collectively decrease transmission in addition to reducing stigma. Now, Ryan Lisk, the Director of Community Health Programs at the AIDS Committee of Toronto, also notes, we are grateful to BHAC for these additional funds to support the increased access to services and awareness about MPOX for GBTQ plus guys in Toronto. These funds will help us support our communities to reduce transmission, access vaccinations, and reduce the stigma associated with MPOX. I kind of like MPOX as a name. <laughs> MPOX? I, uh, yeah, MPOX. I don't know. It sounds... Like a pro wrestler. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. It, it just sounds a, a touch more intense <laughs> than monkeypox. Yeah. I think, it's, uh -huh. I think when I think monkeypox, I think monkey business. And it's just, it's sort of... It makes it less serious in my mind. Monkeypox, monkey business. But no, Mpox. I don't know. It's got like a Resident Evil vibe about it. You know what I mean? Like something from Umbrella Corp. Mpox. Mm. I mean, I, I still... Well, Monkeypox to me sounds like a mobile gaming app. And then <laughs> like... <laughs> uh, Mpox uh, sounds like a pro wrestler to me. Okay. So neither, no, we'll get there in the end. Yeah. But yeah so uh, essentially, they've issued 350000 to support these. Uh, various health agencies, yeah. which is uh, which is quite good news. Now there have been a range of other interesting stories uh, from around the world that I think we might be able to uh, cover quickly. The CEO of the Commonwealth Games Federation, of whom Canada is a member as a Commonwealth country, has essentially, in an interview with the BBC, said that countries with laws that do not match the Federation's values will be less likely to host the games moving forward. Now, it's worth noting that the Federation or the Commonwealth Federation has about 54 countries, mm -hmm. and about half of them, if not over half of them, have laws banning some kind of uh, same-sex marriage. Uh, some of them mm -hmm. are banning same-sex uh, mm -hmm. intercourse. Uh, so, yeah, this is a very strong uh, position for the Commonwealth Games when over half their countries participating uh, have these laws on the books. Mm -hmm. But I, I don't think a lot of them actually enforce the laws. Yeah, I, I know that a lot of... Uh... Because the Olympics definitely does this, and I think the Commonwealth Games does this as well, where there's like a point system where, like, you know, if, if Canada wanted to host it, Canada is a big country, you're not going to spread the games out across the country because that's just ridiculous. You would do it in like Calgary or something. So then they, they go there, you know, do they have the infrastructure? Do they have enough hotels? Do they, can they, because like if we did it in, in, in let's say, uh, I mean, I keep going, we'll say Hearst, Ontario. I, I don't think they have the the infrastructure there to import enough food to feed everyone who's there. So, you know, you need a community of a certain size, you need a certain, you need an airport that can support all the traffic and blah, blah, blah. So you get this point system. Mostly it really comes down to like, do you have a velodrome? Do you have a, a pool that is of the appropriate size? That kind of thing. And if you, you just add up the points and basically what they're, it sounds like you're just going to throw in points for things like, do you have human rights protections for all of your athletes? And it's not impossible that in the future, Canada just chooses stupid cities and England chooses a city with a pool that's filled with, I don't know, listeria. And, you know, it just happens to be that, that Port-au-Prince uh, has the highest score, at which point, fine, we'll do it there. Um, that's what I suspect is happening, because I know that's what happens at the Olympics. Sometimes the Olympics go somewhere and you're like, there? And it just happened to be that on that year, they had the best bid with the highest score 
in the little points thing. So I think that's a fair way to go because I wouldn't want countries that don't have these laws to never, ever, ever get them because that kind of cuts them out. Uh, I would rather, you know, go there and be the bigger person and basically be like, this is what, you know, this is what welcoming behavior looks like. Um, but yeah, I also wouldn't want it to be every year in a country that actually has things, even if it's just nominal and on the books that they never enforce, mm-hmm. you know? Now, mentioning things that are nominal and on the books that are never enforced actually makes me think of a, another story, this time out Ooh. of Victoria in Australia, okay. where the advertising for sex work was regulated by the city of Victoria. Okay. And they've now essentially uh, following a repeal, a recent repeal in terms of uh, advertising specifics, it used to be that you couldn't show any kind of nudity in your advertising for, mm-hmm. for sex work, um, as well as you couldn't mention the words massage or massage therapist, even if you were also a massage therapist right okay um, so you know it's but uh, it seems like in the tens of thousands of ads that are up and about that it was only really gay men and gay men services that were being flagged Ooh. and likewise the laws were only really being enforced uh, against gay men advertising their uh, services so this uh, this has been seen as a bit of a success in Victoria that now the advertising regulations are, are kaput Yep. So we'll see some innovative advertising yep. for male escort services in uh, in Victoria, Australia, as yep. a result of this. But more importantly, it's not about, you know, freeing the, uh, it's not about what you can see in the ad. Yep. It's more about the fact that the rules are only being applied yeah. uh, you know, disproportionately to, to gay men. And that, these are, that yeah, it. these are regulations that I think, most people could at least partly agree with, but the, the issue is, you know, do it to everyone or do it to no one. You know, if you have a rule, apply the rule or get rid of the rule. Absolutely. Well, we will be keeping an eye on a number of other stories as, uh, as we keep going, well, as we move forward, including Andorra. Uh, potentially also introducing gay marriage equality there. So Ooh. a pretty cool story out of Andorra. Now, earlier we were feeling the uh, the vibes for the sort of country folk. And then you mentioned reggae. And I said that I'd seen a country reggae transfusion. Transfusion? Trans... I, said, I heard a country reggae song recently. And, fusion. Uh, Just say you, fusion. Fusion. And you <laughs> could not believe that it was, it was Dolly Parton. This is a Dolly Parton song, Two Doors Down. I 100% um, believe that it's Dolly Parton. Uh, years ago at the Glastonbury Festival, she showed up unannounced, unlisted. Nobody paid her. She just showed up on stage with a bejeweled saxophone and played yakety sax for no reason because she's Dolly Parton and she wanted to and everyone was there with her. Well, I I live for that. This is Two Doors Down <laughs> featuring Dolly Parton. I've been Luke Smith. And I've been Sebastian. And thank you for listening.
have 